Hey, Darren, have you heard about Trexpress Plus yet? Heard about it. We've we've done it. What it's amazing. About? Of course, I've heard about it. It's so cool. You're getting the whole Trexpress experience, but you're also getting a new podcast from us, the Inglorious Trexpress, Deck 78. This is true. It's it's like a it's like hanging uh, with us in the lounge on a starship. But also cool guests talking about cool subjects, Trek adjacent topics like right. Alien, Battle Beyond the Stars, Robocop, Logan's Run, The Black Hole, you name it. And, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll be there. Who knows? There might be a little uh, one about The Godfather someday. Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe I want to do that. Maybe will be able to refuse that. <laughs> they won't indeed. So it's real easy to join. If you want to support uh, the podcast and become a member of Trexpress Plus to get all the the great Trexpress Plus goodness, you want to go to <laughs> TrexpressPlus.com, TrexpressPlus.com, and take word, off one for savings. Out. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it, it you, you can sign up. It's very easy, and then from there on out, you can enjoy the full experience and you can be find your way chosen. to deck seventy eight, the hidden deck of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> And the Inglorious Trexperts, where we hang out. Well, yeah. It's all good. Join us. TheTrexpertsPlus.com Join us on our Galaxy-class starship as we head to Columbus, Ohio. The, this uh, December the USS, 2nd. USS Columbus. The USS Columbia? <laughs> <laughs> oh no wait sorry no, i was channeling the cage there were no galaxy class starships back in the day no that's true that was only in uh in, in next generation and you don't know our 10th as well as oh wait that's not it either okay what do they say what do they say these galaxy class starships what is that ridiculous scene in far point where they're talking about the you know they're literally like i, I think it's i'm sharing the bible by this new galaxy class starship okay great Good for you. How many times do they say Galaxy Quest in uh, Galaxy? <laughs> How many class? times do they say Galaxy Quest? Galaxy class in in Farpoint, Darren. I don't know. I think uh, maybe three times. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. they want to really hammer it home because it's in the Bible. It's so way they got to make it than, very clear. It's way bigger than the Solar System class one. It's super bigger than the Constellation <laughs> class. It's even bigger than the Dreadnoughts. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the point of this. The point of this is that we, Darren Doctor and Mark A. Altman, the Inglorious Trexperts, are going to be at GalaxyCon in Columbus, Ohio, December 2nd through the 4th. It's You'll going to join... be a, a, a wonderful, romping weekend with us. Yes. yes. I, it, it's going to be great because uh, these are great conventions. Uh, Mike Broder and his team do a fantastic job. We're really excited uh, um, to, to be there. Um we know that they're all about the fans, which is something that we found very attractive when we had the opportunity to go uh, at this. And, and you can join us for live podcast recordings, interviews, meets and greets, special guests who will be attending the convention like Bill Shatner, Kevin. I have, I have in my notes, Kevin Sith. <laughs> Kevin Smith. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, Terry Farrell, many others. Of course, and us. We, and us. Well, of course, us. That's the most exciting of all. Your, we would be honored favorite, if you would join us. Your uh, favorite wheeled scooter targets. Oh my God! I hope not. I hope not. I feel like <laughs> they 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 set their sights on me. Like they've locked on. They've locked on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like when there's a phaser on on, on overload. Deflector is like, full intensity. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but it's going to be great. We're really excited, and we hope you are too. And you'll join us in Columbus, Ohio, this December second to the fourth at GalaxyCon. For more information or buy tickets, go to GalaxyCon. 
Com today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Tragsperts. And today, the children truly shall lead. <laughs> we have one of my favorite people. I, I got to say, it's really true. Um, the great Rod Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry, Eugene Roddenberry Jr. Yeah. Uh, he's the son of the late, great uh, Gene Roddenberry. And uh, the foremost uh, um, uh, uh, sort of man who responsible for keeping the legacy of Gene Roddenberry alive um, yeah. uh, and, and, and the philosophy of Gene Roddenberry. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to Rod. And uh, we've talked on the show in the past that uh, we've we've known him for many years and, you know, had a lot of a lot of fun times with with Rod. But today we have a more serious conversation about uh, uh, what his dad meant to him and, and what Star Trek means to him. Not completely serious, but, you know, it, 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 serious topics that are handled in an entertaining way, hopefully. <laughs> one would one 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 would hope but uh rod is somebody we, we we were hoping to have on the show for a long time for whatever reason it just never uh the, the stars did not align uh but uh it was great that uh we were able to uh uh to get him and um again you know and you'll hear us talk about this i mean obviously gene looms so large in both our lives and was such an influence on our careers and 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 has meant so much to us so it's it's always great and it's, it's just great to see that rod grew up as such a great kid yeah. you know uh, that he is uh you know when we talk about this there's so many of these kids of, of, of celebrities and um uh people in, in, in movies and tv who are just and we can tell you you know assholes real real assholes real jerks and then narcissistic and self-involved and um, just terrible people. And, and Rod is not. Rod is a sweetheart. And yeah. he always has been that way. And I expect he always will be that way. And uh, it's just a, a pleasure to have him on the Trexperts. And now we're joined by uh, Rod beaming in from his undisclosed location. We're not going to tell you where he is. Not because we don't want you to know, but because you'd be very jealous. So like I am right now. Since we aren't on video anymore, you, you wouldn't know that he has a world domination map behind him. Yes, so this is my headquarters well, on planet Ryza. Well prepared. Good. I was going to say, the only thing you're missing is the white cat to be stroking. You know, uh, you look like you have you world see, domination. Right up here, there is a sign that says Rod's evil plans. Nice. And I just tilted the camera down just enough. So Thank you for considering us. I've well, already got the gauntlet over here. Nice. Oh yeah, that. Careful. Oh look at that. Are you, you, that's another franchise. A trekkie just with one snap. Well, I'd like to see that happen. You know what? As we <laughs> teach the whole world to sing, the Coca-Cola commercial, we'll make yeah, the whole right. world trekkies. There you know, you go. and it'd be a better world, wouldn't it? People would you know, we'd get along and and, and have a hope for the future. We, we, I we, think so. Better fashion. You know, we can wear them sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny because I, I was thinking about this today because I, I didn't want to ask you the same old questions. You know, look, we we've we've done this before, a mission in New York. We they they put us on stage together. And you know, every time we talk, I always like, I don't want to ask you the same old, same old. And right. I don't want to talk. Well, people, people have heard it. People have heard it. 
But you know, the thing the thing for me that I was thinking about is Roddenberry has really become an adjective. It's become a word that people say it's Roddenberry-esque, right? Uh, and in your mind, what does Roddenberry-esque mean when people say, oh, it's very Roddenberry? It, I, I'm glad you say that. I, I hope it has become an adjective, at least within the world of, of Star Trek and the, and, the, and the circles that we're in. Uh, um, sure. You know, I, I, I do use it to denote the difference between different kinds of sci-fi out there. And, um, you know, I, this, this came up very strongly for me when I, uh, back in 1996, 97, 98, uh, when I was working on Earth Final Conflict, my first real experience in mm -hmm. the industry, um, I, I, you know, it, that was called Gene Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict. And that was a show that my mother had put together. And it, it made me ask a lot of questions. You know, I started a website called Gene Roddenberry's Philosophy Sphere to try to figure out what it was about Star Trek, about a Roddenberry project that made it, well, whatever it was, whatever the fans love. And I, I became, I became very, um, uh, obviously very connected with the name. My father had just passed away. Um, I was coming in out of my adolescence into somewhat adulthood. I was maturing a tiny bit. And I was starting to see the value uh, in, 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 in the stories that I heard from people about Star Trek affecting them and, and inspiring them and giving them hope for the future. And so when something had the name Gene Roddenberry's on it, I felt it needs to live up to a certain expectation. And my expectation is huge. I mean, we all have our levels, but mine is, of course, through the roof. And if, if the show isn't making you consider a different point of view, making you think a little, um, it's not Roddenberry. Yeah. Uh, or it's not Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict, or it's not even Roddenberry's Star Trek. And I don't care if anyone else doesn't say that. I say it. Um, Star Trek is clearly at its best when it's getting you. First, it's got to entertain you. You've mm -hmm. got to see explosions, the ship chase, laser blast, whatever you want. That's fine. But in the end, it should hopefully make you go like, huh. You know, I never looked at it that way, or at least I never considered that point of view. Or, huh, that was interesting. That's not normally what I would do. Yeah. Um, and, and that is when Star Trek's firing in its own, it's, it's all its cylinders. And that's what I call Roddenberry Star Trek. So yeah. I will say today, you know, that was a very Roddenberry episode, whether it was written by my father or not. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. mean to take the credit away from some incredibly talented person who came up with the idea on their own. I am using it as an adjective to describe yeah. what I think, uh, is, is the best of Star Trek for me. Yeah. Taking taking that in is not a passive experience. It should be yes. it should be something that stimulates and makes you uh, react somehow. Yeah, and, and it should be entertaining. You, yeah. I, you don't want just something with philosophy that's just trying to teach you a message. And I, I get it. There's a balance. I don't know how to do that balance. I'm not a writer. It, it, it takes work. But uh, it, yeah, it's got to have all of it. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, this is something else I was, I was thinking. When am I going to ask Rod? This is the most work I've ever done preparing for this podcast. I thought about it for 30 seconds. So I'm yeah, thinking, okay. what am I going to ask about right. Rod uh, uh, that I haven't asked him before? And, you know, I was thinking about how much, you know, in, in Darren, in my case, our fathers meant to us. And I know how much your father meant to you. But at the same time, and you've talked about this, you were a very rebellious guy who yeah. wasn't interested in what he was doing. And a lot of this you discovered after he passed away. And I, I just wonder kind of, had you sort of discovered this sooner, um, what are the kind of conversations you think you would have had with your dad? And would you still be, because you are 
not a, I wouldn't say proselytizing because it's religious, but you yeah. have done something that most sons, daughters of a show creator have not done. You've made it in a way your mission to carry on his legacy. Yeah. And I don't just mean to honor your father, but what he stood for, the values that he espoused. You don't see Roy Huggins, I don't know if he had kids, talk, you know, going off and trying to preserve his memory of the Rockford Files. I mean, the, the sure. Larson kids do it a little bit, but it's it's not like you. And I mean, you've built this huge thing, which is all about preserving your father's legacy. And, but more importantly, you're a philanthropist. You know, you've built this whole philanthropy as well. So I just love to know kind of, you know, how it feels for you sort of, you know, missing that window and then sort of discovering it later and carrying on that legacy. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're you're correct to describe me as a fuck up. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, you said I could curse. You said I could curse. Um, yeah, you know, I was a rebellious teenager and I was into my own stuff. And I, I liked uh, Knight Rider and, and heavy metal and chasing girls and trying to drive fast in my incredibly awesome cheap Wagoneer. Now, these aren't um, bad things. Just to make sure things. these aren't bad yes. things. Yes, I, I, I've, I've said this many times. I often describe myself in a pretty negative way. I, it took me a while to mature. Anyhow, getting to your question. Uh, and, and by the way, I still have not matured. Um, the, so being a fuck up and, and, and trying to figure out who I am as I got older into my later teens and early 20s, as anyone does, they kind of search for an identity uh, after driving driving my Jeep and, and listening to heavy metal kind of lost its interest. I began to pay a little bit more attention in school. My grade went up a little bit. And and um, I started to go at conventions and, and learn about what Star Trek was. And when I learned that, you know, Star Trek had these messages, and, and I don't mean to make it so prophetic that it had messages, but when I spoke to fans who said it changed my life, and I really paid attention to people who had either come from a uh, a distraught background and it gave them hope or had a, a disability or just gave them a generic hope for the future. I was very inspired by that. And, you know, I started to watch episodes and was kind of blown away by what I saw. Um, obviously my, my, one of my favorite episodes, or at least a pivotal episode for me was uh, uh, devil in the dark mm -hmm. for, for reasons we can go into later. Um, but um I became very proud of that idea of a better future of humanity all working together. You know, and I, and I had a little bit of a martial arts background during my high school career. I did jujitsu for many years, and I had an incredible sensei, Steve Copping, who, who was, uh, listen, if I had to dumb it down to, he was almost my Jiminy Cricket. Um, he was my, my sense of ethics and morals, and, and I could say things to him like, that's stupid, like a teenager would say, and he'd say, well, why is that stupid? And, you know, he would he would get me to think a little bit instead yeah. of just react. And all of that together, you know, over time, slowly sunk in. And uh, obviously, I, I don't do what I do because I'm trying to necessarily respect and uphold my father. You guys have heard me talk. Uh, the, the documentary I did, did, Trek Nation, I was trying to find people who loved Gene Roddenberry as well as people who hated Gene Roddenberry. I wanted to hear both sides. Yep. And I did, and it was great to find the man in the middle and still realize you can be someone who womanizes, who does drugs, who, who does other shitty things, but still be an incredible visionary of the future. I mean, that's balance. That's we all have a, a, a dark or a bad, or we all do things that we're not proud of. And um, I, I'm, I'm 
I'm very proud of my father because in, in despite all of those things, he still looked at the world in that way. And I do too. I mean, everything that I read, hear, hear a story, I'm like, wow, I want to do that. Or I believe in that. Or I think that's a great idea. So I'm doing these things selfishly for me because I believe in them. And I think all many of us do. Like, mm -hmm. wh why? Who, who's against the idea of all working together for a better future? That's pretty obvious, right? We should all not just put aside our differences, but crave our differences, learn from our differences and grow together. Easy to say, hard to do, but so, so I, I got, if my father was George Lucas, no disrespect to George Lucas, I love Star Wars. He seems like an incredible human being, but I probably wouldn't have the same kind of passion that I have. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, my dad's awesome. He made Star Wars. I love Star Wars. It's so cool. What else are we going to talk about? Mm -hmm. Instead, I've got a guy who talks about a better future and brings up serious topics. We were so. talking about this the other day, and and uh, we uh, you know had the absolutely brilliant uh, assumption that um, people want to live in the future that is Star Trek. We want to live in that world. Uh, yeah. We don't necessarily want to live in the Star Wars world. You know, I mean, uh, unless you're a Jedi Knight, the Star Wars world is pretty bad. And even you if you're a Jedi Knight, dead. it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're abstinent too, so forget yeah, right. that. Yeah, <laughs> forget that. Yes. No, but 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 going along with that, and and the fact that your father was a real human being with all the foibles and all the and all the uh, you know disappointments, and but he was a real person, and he grabbed onto life, and he lived it fully, and that's one of the things I think that is extremely laudable about him, and something yeah. that we should uh, we should honor. Yeah, no, it's an excellent point. He he lived an incredible life. Not to mention the various careers: World War II police sergeant, mm -hmm. transcontinental pilot. I mean, there's a whole, there's there's all of that. But I understand what you're talking about in terms of experiencing life, uh, or, or or and and even having these provocative conversations. You know, my father. One thing that he would do is is get in a room of his peers, and they'd be bringing up social issues, and he would take the most you know extreme point of view. I mean, let's just call it legalizing drugs. And he yeah. would say, I mean, listen, I wasn't there for this. I heard people talk about it, but he would take the point of like, well, what's wrong with legalizing all drugs? And he wouldn't do it because he necessarily believed that was the answer, mm -hmm. especially like, let's do that right now. But let's let's have that discussion. He liked what are to, the pros? What are the cons? He liked to roll the tumblers in people's minds. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. how you debate. You know, if you're yeah. on a debate team, you, you, it's not necessarily what you believe. You're 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 supposed to be an advocate for one argument and the other per and you defend it the best you can. Yeah. It's like people who defend, uh, you know, criminal. They know they're guilty, but everyone's entitled to a defense. So yeah. whether you're, you're, you know, and that's the thing. And, and I don't want to delve too much into this, but, you know, the criticism that people get because they don't check every box because they're not perfect. You know, but, and, and who's to decide who's perfect and who's flawed anyway. Yeah. But the, the criticism in retrospect, you know, is it, it's really unfortunate. And I, I you know, you yeah. see that with Star Trek in a lot of aspects. I've been I was just reading today, you know, criticizing somebody was on, on the web criticizing that they wore mini skirts in the original. How demeaning. Meanwhile, if you know anything about Star Trek, it was Grace Lee Whitney and Michelle who wanted the short skirts. Even later on, Kim Cattrall, they wanted to show off their legs. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's like you can't apply the way things you are now or the way you want things to be now to something from the 60s. What Star Trek yeah. did was remarkable. 
It's yeah. remarkable uh, when you, you compare it to the other shows that are on. It was so ahead of its time. Um, yeah. And and it's just, I really find that the lack of education that people have about some of these things, you know, and, and that comes when people sometimes will, you know, criticize your dad or even the fact that you need to say when you're talking about how great your dad was and what a visionary is, well, I'm, well, I'm making way anything. clearly, you know, and he put that team together. You know, he yeah. hired those people, you know, so Gene Kuhn was a good friend of his, you know, DC was his assistant who he promoted to story editor. I mean, yeah. these are people that he mentored, you know, and, and he and made he mistakes gave... along the way as well. Absolutely. Which is fine. Of course. I mean, right. as we are, you know, anyone who's perfect isn't interesting. So what we always say about next generation, they don't have any flaws. And I know that's your favorite Star Trek. They're flawless. They, there can only be conflict from the outside. To me, that's a lot less interesting than the original show where people were flawed. And, you know, clearly your dad was flawed. You know what? Every I don't know anybody's dad who's perfect. You know, I love my dad. He sure as hell wasn't perfect. Um, so um, it just is amazing to me that, you know, people who are you know, 20 years old think they understand what your dad was about. You know, he left us this incredible legacy. And this well, vision. we all do it, right? Because we all just read a little bit and we think we know what we're talking about, of myself course. included. I, yeah, I think I was just talking to someone yesterday and I was, I was about cloning dogs because I read an article one place and it talked about cloning dogs. And it, I didn't come off necessarily as I thought I knew everything, but they're like, that's not legal, is it? And I'm like, well, this article seemed to suggest it. But then I realized <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. So, right. I mean, yes, yeah. <laughs> Right, and isn't it, but it's good that you can stop yourself. I mean, I do the yeah. same thing. You know, you start to sit there and lecture about something. And I'm like, wait, I don't, I don't really know if I know all sides of this argument. Following yeah. up on Mark's question a little bit, what is a discussion that you would have loved to have had with your dad mm. that you didn't get to? You know, not to present myself as some sort of high intellect or anything like that. I'm not. But like anyone else, it's it's you, you look at the world and you look at, you know, education, politics, you look at sex, you look at racism, all, all of these social issues. Um, I, I, I would love to have those conversations because, you know, we have our internal discussions and whether it's it's racism, sex, whatever, we can say certain things to ourselves that we wouldn't say to other people because if they don't know you well enough, we're, we live in a society where you're so quick to be judged and labeled and canceled and everything like that. And, and the purpose is really just having the discussion. So I, I would love to sit down and have those kinds of conversations. I can't necessarily bring up any particular one, um, but oh, yeah, I will. Uh, relationships and marriage. This is something that I've been talking about just in my inner circles recently and, and how I, I really think everything needs to evolve. Uh, religion, politics, marriage, all of these social structures, these paradigms that we have, they, you have to evolve. They have to change. I'm not saying you have to radically throw them out the window and start with something else. But again, I'm using the word evolve. Yeah. And, and education. We've been, we've been teaching kids, at least in public schools generally, the same way that we've taught for 100 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you get a book. You have a teacher talk about it. Go home. You memorize stuff. You take a test. And then most of the time, you forget everything. That's not really learning. Some kids excel at that, some don't. There are different ways, and we know through private schools and other institutions that there are different ways to teach, and, and I dare I say better ways to teach, um, but we're stuck in the old way of doing things, and the, the, the bureaucracy is so big, and there's so much take that to make the kind of change and evolve these things is so hard to do. Yeah. So I would like to talk to them about that, like 
Mm -hmm. how, how do you get society to start to accept new ideas and, and change? And how do you get an institution like our government to implement the kind of change that needs to happen more and more because we're not changing. Right. So the more we don't change, the bigger the buildup is and the harder it is to make that change. So I, yeah. I'm very concerned about education, religion, politics, sex, everything. Of course. Of uh, course. Because it's not necessarily evolving at least as fast as I think it should. Right. Yeah. Although and the pandemic is accelerating a lot of these things, you know, certainly in education, people are seeing in the last two years, you know, what a step back it's been for kids. And, yeah. you know, people are looking at new ways, you know, education, you know, we certainly got new ways to get our food delivered. You know, yeah. I mean, in the last year and a half, it's like you can order, you know, whatever the best restaurant will be there in a half hour. I mean, we're not talking pizza anymore. You can get Mr. Chow's delivered. So yeah, that's an excellent uh, point. We're not at a standstill. You're absolutely right. Changes <laughs> being made. I just don't know if there's enough and I don't know if it's happening fast enough. Well, yeah. you know, one of the interesting things when you talk about education, this isn't the education you're talking about, but it's more about the broadening of one's minds. You know, it's an expression mm -hmm. now that the people back then, the writers back then, you know, lived life and now writers live television. And so, and, and that's true to an extent, but mm -hmm. um, I will say, if you look at your dad, you know, who grew up in tech, Texas, right? And, yep, and, and, and Gene Kuhn, who was the son of a Klansman. And these guys oh, ended up becoming wow. the most progressive guys. And, and, you know, part of that was they were both in the military. So they saw the world. Yeah. So they saw they were in diverse um, uh, platoon, you know, with uh, meeting people from all over the world of different um, shapes and sizes and, and colors and everything. And so I think the fact that they were able to like travel and experience to boldly go to steal a phrase, um, yeah. open their minds. Yeah. So when they and came to go to past their original programming, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, they yeah, transcended no, the way that they were taught as yeah. as kids. You know, because, yeah. you know, your dad, that there's a famous story, whether it's apocryphal or not, that when Star Trek first aired, he was terrified of what everybody back home was going to think. And his parents sort of downplayed the show. Oh, you know, our son has this show on TV. And, you know, yeah, he and, tells another story that 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 when Star Trek first aired, that his father went around to all the neighbors houses, knocking on the doors, apologizing for the son's show. <laughs> he, he, I've heard him say that yeah. story, which I'm not uh -huh. sure. The truth of that, but yeah. uh, but something to that effect. But that's also part of being a great storyteller. And you've said this on many occasions, you're not a writer, but he was a raconteur in that, you know, a lot of these stories that have made it through the different books, and I'm probably as guilty of this as anyone, is is these stories. You've written he, some of them. Yeah, right. So <laughs> where he has told these amazing, you know, folk you know, folk tales in a way, but they're great stories, whether or not they're true or not. And yeah. I wonder, you know, how much because when you were doing Trek Nation, you were talking to people like Christopher Knopf and a lot of people who were his contemporaries, because you did it like 20 years ago when a lot of people were thankfully still alive. That's changed in the last 20 years. Um, yeah, it's sad who we've uh, lost. What was that like for you? What was that whole process? Because I know you spent a lot of time doing that movie. Yeah, the, the, the Trek Nation experience was incredible. Uh, I mean, and, and just to... to, to be quick about it because I could go on and on. Uh, you know, I never made a documentary. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I, it was a 10 year experience, not because we were working on it that hard. It was because I, I didn't know what we were doing. Uh, I did have an experienced uh, partner on it who, who did know what he's doing and, and sort of helped uh, guide the ship. Um, but it was incredible to find people on all parts of the spectrum who loved my father, hated my father, knew my father, slept with my father, whatever the case was. Um, 
to, to share their stories. And the mistake I made was to just go into an open discussion about Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry in general. Uh, I can tell you how not to make a documentary, um, for <laughs> sure. Um, but, you know, I have hours with people, and we probably have over 100 people. And it was, but personally, it was an incredible experience because I got to learn so much about my father, more than I think most kids would. And by no means am I saying I, I'm glad my father's dead, but I, I would not have done this. Mm -hmm. I would have not had this experience. So, you know, I certainly will say I know him better now than maybe I, maybe I would have if he were still alive. Uh, I'd like to think that's not true because I'd like to think I'd have discussions with him. But um, it was an incredible experience and sometimes quite challenging. Uh, talking to Chris Knopf about my father when, uh, you know, a few days after he met, married my mother. Um, it's in the documentary. You know, he was he was sleeping around with other women. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, to to be that young and to have different perspectives and, and hear that um, they, it was hard to hear it then, but it was part of the journey and allowed me to understand more about the man as a whole. Yeah. So, right. you know, um, and I don't have a problem being public with these things. I'm not trying to slander my father in any way. He is still the visionary that, that created Star Trek, brought a lot of incredibly talented people together. And he still had progressive and forward thinking thoughts about the future that, that rival uh, you know, many of our own. And, you know, that's um, so the thing, too, very Ron. Proud of them. who are we to judge? That's between yeah. your mom and you and, 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 and your dad. You know, it's like, you know, who knows what, the, you know, the reality and the understanding. It's like it doesn't it shouldn't matter. But so people yeah. are so you know interested in jumping on the bandwagon. It's, oh, you know, he did this or did that. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, what does it matter to us? But, you know, you what know matters my father is, was as fucked up as any of us are. Yeah, right. Yeah, but but you know? maybe maybe not as fucked up as people think because agree, agree. I, I think that I think that his attitude towards that was that um, human beings belong to experience everything. You know, mm -hmm. that's their that's our job while we're here, and the ability to share that intimacy with people is an essential thing to being human, and it's only the the strictures of our you know, society that has been set up over the years because of landowning that have uh, restricted, uh, you know, the one woman, one man thing. Yep. And societal it, expectations. It's, yep. it's a different thing. And I think that if you if you step back a little bit and and look at that from a, you know, from a humanist point of view, I think it's completely in line. And, you know, this is not forgiving any hurt that he caused, but that's kind of how it is. But you need communication and consent, right? I mean, yes, I mean that's consent's absolutely. obviously the big trigger word right absolutely. now. But I mean, he, there's no reason why someone can't have uh, communication with someone else. Two men, two women, three men, one woman, yeah. one, wh whatever mixture you want. They all come together. They talk about what the relationship's going to be, and they consent to it. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, this is why you know marriage. I think is another arcane structure that needs to be evolved. Um, I don't listen. You want to be with someone for the rest of your life? Go to it. I'm not Absolutely. saying you can't. I'm not saying you can't. Go by the old scripture and do whatever the heck it is you want to do. Uh, but also, everyone else should be able to do whatever the hell they want. It's between you um, and your other. Yeah. So, you know? and I think that kind of thought thinking falls into everything: religion, politics, Absolutely. et cetera, education. Absolutely. So, Darren, are you saying know all that is knowable, learn all that is learnable? You're damn right I am. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, and, I, and I'm I, not trying to make excuses for my father either. I heard you say course. that as well. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure he hurt people. 
Um, and we've all made mistakes and we've all done things that we're not of proud of. Um, and and I, by no means can I defend that except to say that he was human and he fucked up. Yeah. Um, not and a defense, guess what? But I've done that a few understand. times myself. Trying to yeah. understand. Yeah. Look, and you know, it's also, he's not the last man standing. So other people get to define things. You know, all these writers who, who are aggrieved, it's like, it's part of the business to be rewritten. You know, yeah. it, 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 that's the reality. And and to hear them, you know, after he passed away, well, you know, he rewrote me and, you know, I, I wrote something so brilliant and he, yeah. he made it mediocre. So, it's like, you know, come on. Harlan. You know, I tried to interview him for Trek Nation and I, yeah. he finally called me back and I, I have an audio recording of it uh, without his consent. Um, but I, of course, I've never played it uh, to anyone. Uh, you but, can uh, now. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, uh, oh, kiddo, you wouldn't want to hear what I have to say about your father. You know, he was uh, he was a curmudgeon guy and, and I know he was unique and I know he was brilliant in terms of a writer. Uh, by no means do I take anything away from his 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 intellect, uh, but yeah, I get a little bothered that um, that you know after my father's passed away, the people who shit on him, you know, okay, do you, how about after you're gone? Do you want me to start shitting on you? Although now I feel like I'm shitting on Harlan. Anyhow, um, <laughs> I think he was brilliant and he had his own points of view on my father. And yes, my father did rewrite his work to make it fit the Star Trek model. Yeah, what, what Harlan wrote did not fit Star Trek. That's or at least correct. did not hit my uh, uh, hit my father's version of Star Trek. You know, so as executive producer, you get to read job. That's Sorry. right. He, he's, the, he's the showrunner. They didn't have that expression then, but he was the showrunner. He could do Your what he wanted. Your shit might be the most genius stuff out there. You're going to be rewritten to fit the goddamn show. That's yeah. right. Until until it's your show, you know. Yeah. And 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 you know, Harlan never got a show because he kept getting fired from. You know, he was. But the thing about Harlan, he was a complicated guy too. Yeah. You know, it's like yes, yes. on one hand, you know, he he criticized people. He was you know, he could be a jerk, and then he could be immensely sweet. I mean, we were just talking to Andre Richardson, Gene Kuhn's assistant, and you know, she tells the story about how um, she needed to get rent a house that was close to the lot because the commute was just killing her, and they wouldn't rent her because she was black. So Harlan went and rented the the house, the apartment for her. Said he had wife and two kids, and they immediately said, "Oh, of course, maybe," and then gave the keys to Andre. Oh so, my God, I've never heard that. I love hearing that. Yeah. I so love hearing that. Everyone That's is complicated. Incredible. You yeah, know? Well said. Well said. And, 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 I watched and, Dreams with Sharp Teeth. That was his documentary. And it, right. it gave a little a little bit of insight into, into the man, which was nice to see. And that and, story and, is phenomenal. And it, it's a it's a great story. And it, you know, it shows, you know, he also was a, you know, kind of very liberal, progressive guy at that time, very active in civil rights. You know, and then he was also a dick to people. It's okay. Everybody has two sides. You know, it's it's yeah. it's a very Star Trek concept, isn't it? Yeah. And yes, speaking yes, of it Star Trek, it's like, you know, there was a time I think where we all said, "Oh, maybe the Star Trek future is possible." Right? I'm not, you know, I'm not getting too political, but I certainly thought it in the '90s during the first Clinton administration. There was no war. You know, there are times you know hope and change with Obama. You know, now we live in a world where you know the Ukraine has been invaded by uh, uh, Russia. Um, we live in a time of immense polarization where people just hate each other for, you know, various reasons. And, um, and, and, and it seems like that Star Trek future, rather than getting closer, is getting further away. And I wonder, you know, what you make of that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to say. I, I am, you know, I, I, I come from this background of optimism in a way, and, and I feel like I, I have to 
give the message of, of positivity and 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 I'm, I'm it's, it's harder and harder to do um, uh, I, I can get on my soapbox and and talk about the idic message which I, I believe in wholeheartedly uh, not just the tolerance of things that are different but the craving the the thirst the desire the need to find different uh, not just in form but in idea more so an idea and being able to hear some uh, an opposing idea yeah. and then hear it openly enough to take pieces of it, incorporate it into your own intellect and grow your own intellect. I mean, that's that's our intellectual evolution. And it's easy for me to say this as I stand on my high horse, um, but it's it's often hard to do. I can't tell you that I do this every day. I don't. I, I do what everyone does every day. I hear, I read an article, I see a news report and I go, what an idiot. But hopefully later on I go, well, Maybe this guy's point of view or where he or she is in life. And, you know, I don't know the whole story as you guys started that conversation off. So maybe there's some perspective and, and whether they're trying to explore life to its fullest or, or simply made a mistake, uh, it's nice to sort of step back and maybe have that moment of pause and realize, oh, maybe this guy isn't such an idiot or whatever the case is. It's just a perspective that I don't have. Anyhow, um, you know, yeah, positive, you know. positive thoughts of the world, huh? You know, Rod, That's I'm gonna right I'm gonna step into this other voice right now because okay. I I need to I need to say that uh, we are very proud that you not only carry on the torch but that you know what it means to carry the torch, and uh, hearing you talk about uh, the uh, ideas of idic uh, that we should be celebrating our differences is immensely uh, important and uh, thank you. Your inflections, your your tone, your pauses, your mannerisms, even and and to thank you. the way you do that. I've heard the recordings of that exact. I, I obviously heard my father yeah. do that exactly that. I don't know how you've mastered. But that's how, right, Darren? That's how but, you mastered it. Listening, uh, listening to those recordings, and 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 try and and reading, you know, reading the damn making of Star Trek book. And and seeing the bold text and reading it with his voice in my mind, yeah. And look, I I I loved your dad. I only met him a couple times, but for what he represented to me at a very formative point in my life, um, I'm immensely grateful. Yeah, yeah. I I wish, you know, obviously I wish he was around today because yes, I would love to have those discussions for sure. It's funny. I was at. Um... Rosh Hashanah services at UCLA yesterday, and I was driving by Copal Copal Deloro, and after all these years, I thought, "Oh, that's where uh, Rod used to live. We had those great parties, you know, yes. by Bellagio Road." And I was like, "It maybe I, I was the weirdest." I just was just yesterday. I was just thinking, but you used to you and your mom and your dad used to throw these great holiday parties. Well, yeah, they threw the parties, and then I would just invite my friends over and go to my upstairs <laughs> wing and and have my own party. And you know, it, it, it was it was again. I I I've taken a long time to mature, and I'm still working on it. And I'm I I just didn't appreciate a lot of things that were happening when they were happening. You know, when when the TNG and and some of the TOS cast was down at my my parents' Christmas party, and of course other celebrities. My parents didn't have the biggest celebrity parties, but they had a lot of the. Uh, obviously, Star Trek people, and then some some classics from their era. Um, I, I never. I was just like, eh, who cares? Where's you know, David Hasselhoff? I want the uh, Knight yeah, Rider. Exactly. Exactly. But you know Where's what? David Hasselhoff would that have been might have more been. Accurate. When you say that, it I think it might have been a blessing because if you had realized that sort of uh, that world at that time, 
you might have turned out to be a different person. And I think yeah. every time someone asks me, well, what is Rod like? I said, he's very well adjusted and he's, he's not at all the, the offspring of uh, a famous person. Mm -hmm. He's very grounded. I think that your sort of uh, mind separation at that point helped mm -hmm. you not fall into the trap of uh, being the kid of someone famous. No, I appreciate that. I, I, I try hard not to be an ass <laughs> or, or have things go to my head, but uh, you yeah. know, they do every now and then. But so. you're not a future E true Hollywood story like a lot of these right. kids are. So, that, so that's far. Good. So far. Well, I, <laughs> so I have far. to say, and I know Darren can't say this because he's working on it for you, but I was so blown away by that uh, Gene Ronberry archive project that yeah. you and uh, the team are working on yes, yeah. James and Jules and every, and it's just, it's remarkable just what you, you, you've done uh, in terms of, and you talk about, you know, this, the goal is to preserve your father's legacy, but it also celebrates what we love about Star Trek. And I think, um, you know, just what little it is, and I don't know the permutations and the details in the future, but just what little I saw, I just thought it was fantastic. And the, the amount of excitement I saw among people who were seeing it for the first time at the Star Trek convention was really remarkable. Is there anything maybe you can say about that project and sort of the impetus for you and, and what, you, what you, your hopes are for it? Um, you know, I, I've got to give uh, tons of credit to uh, Julian Erbach um, of Otoy. He's, he's been my best friend since uh, junior high school. And he is the the mind behind it. And again, there, there's a lot of great minds behind it. Darren, you're certainly one of them. He's not um, such a great mind. He's an okay mind. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. But but to archive everything Star Trek, and uh, of course that's a lifelong thing. I, I started over ten years ago by just finding call sheets and and memos and and documents. You know, I, yeah. I think one of the first documents I came across was uh, Bob Justman's um, notes critique on on. Uh, Harlan Ellison, City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. And it was six pages of, of exactly why it doesn't work, whether it was uh, budget, timing, story, whatever. It was, you know, and, and again, it wasn't saying the whole thing was bad, but it was listing why this can't yeah. go as, as it's done. And that was such an incredible insight into what really happened back then. Yeah. I, I thought it was important to collect all these things, digitize them, and and... The, the goal is to make them available to the public, but to to certainly get them digitized and do that. Jules is now doing that because now we, we don't just scan flat documents. Now we can scan objects, mm -hmm. you know? And and one of the early days, I worked with a company called Sansar. We actually had the, the VR Roddenberry Museum where you could go in, I wish I had a phaser, and, and they had a, a phaser that we had from the original series or a motion picture, whatever it was, and scanned it. And you could pick it up mm. in VR. And what's important about picking it up is that you could see the fingerprints and the smudges, the costumes that we had. You could go right up to the collar and see the threads that were coming out. Right. And so it's the closest thing yeah. to, to being there instead of being there. Um, to be able to archive set pieces and all these things and even recreate things like sets and ships of course, we've got the motion picture enterprise pretty much in its entirety, I believe, um, almost a, a, a one to one scale walkthrough version of it. Yeah. Um, to be able to one day do that is going to be incredible for all these things. To be able to one day go into a scene of the next generation or a current day show 
and walk around that scene as it's happening around you. Yeah. I mean, that's just cool, but it'll be really neat to sort of have all of that experience. Um, yeah. And again, the, the documents and, and, and the interviews. Um, I, Star Trek is not just uh, something that's gonna come and go. I think we all know that by now. It's gonna be around for hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm positive. Will it be the number one show on television for a hundred? No, I, that I don't know. But it's it's the vision of the future that people love, and and I, I think it's going to stick around because of that. I think one good thing about uh, the uh, archive is that the interest and love of the 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 uh, concept is what is helping to push the technology to yeah. make it happen. You know, yeah. we we've always uh, you know half jokingly said, well, we're we're uh, looking to create the holodeck. That's that's not a lie. It, it yep. may take you know. 20, 50 years, who knows? But the, we're pushing in that direction because um, it is it is a valuable thing to have people experience this the best possible way. And so that's what we're shooting for. We may fall short, but uh, that's at least we're aiming in the right direction. It just takes time. It'll happen eventually. Yeah. We, we may not be here for it, but, Correct. Uh, Correct. but it'll happen. Although yeah. the advances in medicine and longevity you know, are remarkable. You know, you talk about where is the Star Trek future? That is somewhere where we might see, you know, great strides over the next 10, 20, 30 years. We're already, you know, sort of seeing it. Um, I do want to say about the memos, you know, and, and the archives, uh, some of the best writing on Star Trek were those memos. People don't yeah. realize how brilliant, um, um, and it is really interesting to see how, um, whether it be Gene Roddenberry or Gene Kuhn or, or, or Bob Justman, who was remarkably astute, um, mm -hmm. breaks down a script and knows exactly not just for budget but for story. You know, and 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 it, it's very uh, informative. And you know, for someone like me, you know, uh, or, or or writers, um, it, you know, it's it's remarkably educational. I'm sure it was for you as someone who's giving notes on Earth Final Conflict and and later, you know, on, on other projects. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Reading that stuff it really blows blows my mind. And and I've only touched on it. There are so many documents. Uh, Trevor, my business partner, came into my office the other day and 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 told me about a project. I can't remember the name of it, but you know, a a there were a number of stories that my father had written for this project, and I'd never heard of it. Oh, it's the nope. I can't remember. Anyhow, I had never seen these documents that I'd never read. So things keep popping up all the time. Yeah. And uh, it's quite difficult to keep up. I love that. The Secret Gene Roddenberry Project. And it was, I don't yeah. remember. Uh, <laughs> a Roman, it was, it's, um, there's a name for it. It's a common word, Roman police. They're not centurions, but uh, something like that. He has a, he has a script about oh. people in the future, the future police policing. I can't remember if it's the solar system or something like that, wow. but a, a different way of, they, they were truly more peace officers than police and mm -hmm. and it had had that if i could call it roddenberry tone roddenberry ask yeah 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 uh, from yeah. what i've been told cool right right oh that's interesting um yeah and and uh what, what you know do you ever sit and watch i assume not star trek for pleasure like or is it when you're channel surfing you come across star trek do you ever sit and watch an episode or is it it's just too too weird it, for you it often can become pleasure, but sometimes it's laborious. Um, mm -hmm. I here's here's where all the hate mail is going to come in. Uh, being a product of the next generation, loving the next generation, having seen the the all the seasons multiple times, 
you know, um, with our Mission Log podcast, uh, I, I stay up, I try to stay up to date on that. And so I, I watch the episode and then listen to the podcast. And, and frankly, I send in notes to the guys, not really notes, but sort of fan things. Like I just yeah. talk to them like a fan. Anyhow, um, Deep Space Nine has been a challenge. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, season five, it, I'm, by no means am I saying it's bad. I get it. The family, I get the family. The relationships are phenomenal. I, I, I get that. But I'm not as engaged in it as I was Next Generation. Mm. Um, or, or for that matter, a Strange New World. Um, there, there's, I, I truly love seeing stories that are about better people. And, and I don't mean better than you. I just mean we've become a better species, right. a better society. When we resort back to our current day behaviors of jealousy and greed and, and anger, I understand that Deep Space Nine has a contingent of different aliens, so it's not all humans. But I, I get bored with the pettiness. You know, yeah. and any movie, when I see where the superheroes, what was the uh, Marvel movie where the, the, not Winter Soldier, where Civil they War. fought each other? Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I didn't, I, I honestly did not enjoy heroes that I loved on both sides fighting over stupid shit. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> what we do today. We fight over stupid shit. And I just don't need to see any more of that. So Deep Space Nine, again, not to say it's like Civil War, it didn't have the optimism. And so I've been struggling to kind of get through the last couple of seasons of that, not because it's bad television. It's not. It's just not what I go to television yeah. to watch. It's so interesting um, because this is, you know, this sh this is very indicative of the fandom in general. You can have five different people and yeah. everyone's going to have a different favorite Star Trek. For yeah, somebody's yeah. going to be TOS, for somebody's going to be TNG, somebody's going to be Deep Space Nine you know, uh, unfathomably, somebody's going to be enterprise. You just don't know. And, um, you know, people are going to, and, 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 and you see that in, you know, kind of, you know, with a lot of the new shows where, you know, there's a, a, a unfathomable, you know, again, yep. a, a lot of unnecessary hatred. You know, it's one thing not to like a show, you know, uh, yep. and I, I can certainly say attest to that, but to, to be so angry, and 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 vitriolic and and abusive to other people who do like something. It's not needed. What's the point? Why? What? That's yeah. not Star Trek, is it? No. Yeah. I. Yeah. There's a lot of. That. I. I'm. I'm so glad I'm not really on social media. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. It's not I, a good thing. Yeah. I don't have the stomach for it. You know. And, and and I'm sure there's people out there who say shitty things about me, and and maybe some of them are even true. Uh, I don't. I, I don't <laughs> think I have the the cojones to to read through all that. You know. Um, because I'm the kind of person who'll be like, Am I really an asshole? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, but the friends? problem <laughs> the problem with social media is everyone thinks they're an expert. Everyone thinks they know everything. Yeah. Right. And it's what you said about earlier. It's about like knowing you need to dig deeper. And that just because you've read an article on a subject doesn't mean you know everything there is to know about that subject. We see that with the coronavirus, where everyone yeah. is suddenly yeah. uh uh, uh, you know, an epidemiologist, you know, as opposed to the people who study viruses you know, their entire careers and have a doctorate who actually know what they're talking about versus the yeah. person who read about it on Facebook and now thinks that they're an expert. So, um, you know, that, Isn't it that's crazy where we were like a year ago, not to change topics, but like, I was just like that, like, oh, you, you haven't been tested or, or in order to come over to my house, you have to be tested. Oh, you don't have your vaccination card. You can't come over. And, and today I'm, I'll just say a lot more willy nilly about things. Mm. I, it's not that I don't care. 
but I'm like, mask, you're fine, whatever, you know. I and I, I can't defend either side of that sufficiently. Yeah. Well, I just, uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just amazed that the, you know, people, you just think that they. They know everything, and they, and in yeah. most cases, they know very little about anything. So, yeah. um, and 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 social media sort of uh, amplifies that, yeah. you know, That's which really is does. which is interesting. But you know, Star Trek. What was great about Star Trek? Star Trek always celebrated expertise. It was something that Leonard Nimoy talked a lot about: meritocracy. You know that it was the best and the brightest. You know, which was a very '60s notion, but I, I, that's I guess in a way gone out of style. But I really believe in, which is the idea, you know, of, you know, expertise mattering. You know, the people yeah. who were the best at what they did. You know, Uhura was the best communications officer in the fleet. You know, Sulu was the best navigator. Kirk was the best. And as captain. a captain, you listen and respected those people. You're not a captain. You don't rule by force. You surround your people with the experts, right? And then yeah. you make an informed decision because the experts gave you their opinions. Right. And your ego isn't so big where you're like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to do anyways. You're going to inform yourself yeah. and say, take this, take this, take this. Now, put all that together. What would be the most rational, reasonable, best thing to do? Right. Yeah. But after you take that advice, you make a decision and everyone respects that decision. It's yeah. not like then they start to question and say, are you sure you want to do that? You sure? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and and that point. was you know what was so great about uh, you know great about that because it was really it was a bunch of smart people and this is the era of the you know Beverly Hillbillies you know right. so that that's not you know exactly <laughs> you know it's the antithesis of that and I think that's something why Star Trek you know took off at colleges originally because it was about smart people yeah. you know yeah, people or, or people thinking. who wanted to be uh, smart. Um, yeah. We're educated and willing to listen. Yeah, and willing to hear yeah. different points of view. Yeah, it goes back to Itic, right? Hearing different points of view. What does Itic represent to you? Well, I mean, in terms of Star Trek, everything. I, I, I think I said it earlier. It's the backbone of Star Trek, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but when you say infinite diversity, infinite combinations, what does that mean to you? Well, I, I, I think I said it, but I mean, it's, it's the, 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 not just the tolerance, but the, the idea that you, anything and everything different is worth hearing because yeah. there's probably something in it that is different from what you're thinking. And thus being different from what you're thinking is something of value because it's a perspective you don't have that you can grow yeah. from. Even if you completely disagree with it and think it is horse shit, you've now heard an idea that is horse shit and you've now got that category. Now this is horse shit. I don't need to think about that anymore. Mm -hmm. I can move on to other things. You're yeah. continually growing by having something you disagree with. Now, hopefully you're open enough to pick out the pieces of that that might enhance your own point of view um, and, and grow it. But uh, I, again, I, I, I said this, I, I, think it's, I, I think it's the backbone of Star Trek and I think it's the backbone of human civilization. If we are not willing to hear, and now I'm on my high horse here, <laughs> unique points of view, and we all agree and we all understand this, we're not going to grow and evolve as a species. We are going to destroy ourselves. Right. We have to hear, listen, and absorb and, 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 and pull apart different ideas. Yeah, well, let's hope your dad was wrong about the post-atomic horrors. Because you yeah. know, every day you hear you know Putin saying you know these crazy things, um, and Look, uh, let me let me backtrack just one second. Putin's an example of I someone think... who grew up without Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, look, I I think that Idik is 
so important in a couple different ways. First of all, it is the backbone of Star Trek. I completely agree with that. It is probably the greatest idea to come out of it. But the other facet of it, and we go back to the many facets of your dad, was that great it, merchandise it, to sell. It came from a merchandising uh, <laughs> yeah. decision. It right. came yeah. from him wanting to give something on the show to give to your mom to sell with Lincoln Enterprises. And yeah. we're not talking about the motivation behind it. We're talking about the idea and the fact that these two go together completely is magical and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, the Idic symbol uh, in my house in L.A., when we moved in, I had a new driveway poured, and I had the Idic symbol poured into it. And it's on the ground, so you'd never see it unless you, you know, are up high and look down low. So if anyone can find my house in L.A. Google Maps. From, uh, Google Maps. <laughs> go to the driveway. You might oh see a, a giant uh, Idic symbol in the That's corner. Lovely. I, I that... truly love the symbol and, and try to hide it. I have a piece of art downstairs of a shark. I hate it in that. I, I love it. Anyhow, go ahead. But, you know, it's so funny. You know, you say that half jokingly, Darren, but it really was so ahead of its time. You know, and, and yeah. thank God your father was so forward thinking in terms of taking all the trims, you know, and all that stuff for Lincoln Enterprise. None of this rich tapestry of stuff we have would exist. All the memos, all the the the, the stills, you know, all the outtakes, none of that would exist if he hadn't taken it, yeah. you know, at the time and thought, maybe I could do something with this. And to give proper credit, I believe B. Joe and John Trimble were a big part of that. Mm -hmm. I believe Absolutely. they were the ones who initially said this stuff could be valuable one day. So they, they deserve tons of credit for having Absolutely. that mindset and really the, recognizing the value in them. Because it was fuel for the fandom. I mean, it yeah. was the gasoline that made it go. The fact that all this stuff exists in the 70s when there was nothing. People were, you know, buying scripts from Lincoln. And a side hustle to make money for a failing show, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Back in the day, that's that's what it was. Star Trek was a failure. Yeah. And we had squeezed every single penny out of it, which means film clips, scripts, bumper stickers, whatever. Yeah. Well, you weren't there for the lean times in the 70s, you know, when your no, dad was on the uh, the college lecture tour because he needed the money to support, you know, pay the mortgage and, and support his not even lavish lifestyle at that time, a very modest lifestyle, yeah. you know, post yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and, and his ex-wife at the time or soon to be ex-wife. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and his two daughters. Right. You know, my father had a, had a whole family before me. Yep. So uh, that, that's that's a whole different discussion. Indeed. which I'm happy to go into another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we won't, we, we won't bring that up. We won't bring that up now. Um, but I, I do have to say, I think that this has been a really, you know, f fascinating uh, discussion. I got to ask you, um, I know you're, you're a big Next Generation fan. You've been watching Deep Space Nine now for Mission Log, the, the, the wonderful mm -hmm. podcast that you do with John. Um, what do you have, uh, you know, Devil in the Dark, you talked about earlier, because philosophically it means so much to you mm -hmm. is that your favorite episode or is it the most meaningful episode or is there another episode that really resonates for you uh, uh well uh, just just to bring it up to modern times um the uh and i i don't know the name of it but uh strange new worlds the episode with the kid um uh episode six or five or seven it, they they come to a planet and realize that this planet uses the 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 life energy. I mean, it's a little there's a little hokiness to it, but the life energy. Sorry, spoiler alert for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> New worlds, uh, you need to get Paramount Plus to watch it. Um, 
the, this species uses this one special child every whatever 100 years or 50, whatever it is, to power their entire planet. And on their planet, there is there's no greed and there is medicine for everything and there's no disease and it's this this utopian society but it all hinges on this one child as a young child being hooked into a machine and that child has to suffer for its lifespan to power this planet so no other children starve no one really is any harm it is a utopian society but at the expense of this one child the needs of the and many. Well, and it and it brings into it it, it forces the discussion. Yeah. Is this something we would do? Is this something we do? What about all the harm that happens to our children, to our people today, let alone wars, just in in South Central LA or any city or country or town? Um, if we could solve all of that by taking a ten-year-old and hooking him up to a machine, and that kid is going to suffer for the next fifty years. Or, or hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think half of us would say, "Yeah, absolutely," and I think the other half would say, "Are you fucking kidding me? That's terrible. No way." And that's an incredible discussion. That's again Star Trek firing on all cylinders. But the funny thing is, I don't know. Think. If, I don't know if we could predict which half would say yay or which half would say nay. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. I remember in Mission Log when we, I bored. Um, yeah. You know, that, that came up. Do you send a hue back to the collective with this virus to wipe out every single goddamn Borg in the galaxy? Yeah. Um, or do you send them back as Picard did with hopefully this new experience that might disseminate and cause change from within? Right. And uh, I, I was blown away by how many people responded with it was the dumbest decision. He should have sent back the virus. And, and today, I mean, I can see that point of view because of how many deaths happened after letting him go. But I, it doesn't feel right to do that. So any, it's anyhow, it's, it's yeah. an incredible thing when Star Trek makes you have it that It makes discussion. you think and question your own beliefs. Yes, your own, yes. Yeah, anyhow. Well, <laughs> I have to say that it's always such a pleasure to talk to you, Rod. And I think that, you know, it's so exciting to see you carrying on this, this really vibrant, wonderful legacy of your dad, you know, who gave us all so much, you most of all, but, um, you know, gave us all so much and means so much to us and looms so much in our lives as creation uh, uh, that, that you know, and, and you said at the very beginning of the show, you know, whatever you think, he created it all. And there's no argument, no, no matter who helped nurture it and nursemaid it, he created it. And he was such a, you know, the idea, you know, and, and, and of hiring Harvey, you know, uh, his cousin from the Rand Company right. to help him create this world. I mean, that's why it endures. That's why, you know, you can watch 60s Star Trek and it holds up, you know, where virtually nothing from the era does because, you know, he, he was thinking about the future. It's future-proofed. I mean, it was dealing with yeah. all these amazing things. So um, it's really remarkable and it, it's great. And you know what you're doing is great and when you're not scuba diving you're off preserving his uh his his legacy and and you know we're also indebted to you for doing that and of course we're grateful for you coming and john with us on the show uh for uh for an hour and and uh, no i love this i love this kind of discussion i love having these conversations it's fun i mean yeah. and and by the way i i it, this is I, I mean this with all my heart we we truly all are carrying it on um i mean darren 
you're working on the Roddenberry Archive, Mark. You've done a ton of things, You've written books. I know your 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 world is ingrained in Star Trek, as well as many other uh, uh, shows and, and pop culture, as well as things beyond that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the world of of television and movie making, and then the fandom world, the, the gap's not as big anymore. I mean, whether people are creating their own projects, writing books, creating their own content, it, everyone's carrying Star Trek on. They really yeah. are. Yeah. Now. Now, maybe CBS and Paramount can say this is canon and that's not canon, but uh, there's there's content out there that I think fits right in and should be canon. Yeah. Uh, there's some other stuff that doesn't, you know, for reasons maybe not fit the timeline, but still, I appreciate everyone's perspective. Yeah, 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 that's great. Again, okay, thanks, Rod, well, thank so you much for, for uh, joining us and uh, at the risk of being, uh, 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 you know, a little cheesy, live long in uh, whatever they say. Oh, I'm, yeah. not well, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I hate that. It's like the you know in Star Trek. We're beaming down to the Star Trek convention to talk. Uh, to we're, we're, they were positively beaming over the exciting Star Trek stuff here. Spock's ears would stand on it. Like I hate that stuff. Like I I, I don't like that shtick. I don't like when people talk about Star Trek. The local news <laughs> approach to Star Trek. So I'm just yeah. gonna say it was a pleasure talking to you, Rod. And we hope to do it again soon because it's it's always so much fun. Thank you. I look forward to it, guys. Okay. Take care. See you soon. Take care, guys. Well, that was fun. That was absolutely fun. I'm so glad uh, we finally got him on here uh, to chat because uh, he's. it's fascinating to, to hear him from the different perspective, from someone who didn't, uh, you know, grow up loving Star Trek, certainly the way we did, um, but that his uh, journey to sort of discover what it all means and uh, discover his legacy. And I don't know that he actually loves Star Trek. I think he, he loved his dad, obviously. Uh, he absolutely. loves what Star Trek represents. I don't know that he loves Star Trek. I don't think yes. he'll ever, you know, be able to appreciate the way we do. See, but but that that that's fine. Yeah. You know, that's 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 fine. That's, uh, I mean, infinite diversity. Exactly. And and um, you know, like I said, it's extraordinary that he has spent so many years. Um, you know, keeping the Roddenberry name alive and what it means and, the, you know, what it identifies with. And um, it's it's really terrific. And he's just, he's, he's a great guy. And uh, it was great having him on the show. And uh, I hope that we can uh, have him back uh, in the, uh, in, in the future. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, uh, the one thing we didn't talk to him about was how he feels about, uh, you know, just, you know, there was a point at which Star Trek kind of lay fallow and now, you know, whether you like the shows or not, it's so it's so out there. There's so much of it. And yeah. how that must feel for him to, um, you know, to see, you know, to see Star Trek going through certainly, you know, if you don't think a creative renaissance, a renaissance in terms of its presence in popular culture. Right. It's it's certainly entered its uh, platinum age to give it a, a name. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's interesting because there are, you know, there are various phases of the life of Star Trek that we have, uh, lived through and experienced ourselves. And, uh, while, you know, I agree with you that, uh, not everybody, uh, responds the same way to each one of the different shows, uh, I think that there are enough people to enjoy them, uh, no matter what they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting to hear him say because he's not a fan of Deep Space Nine. And, you know, obviously, even on the show, it's like me and Ashley are huge fans of Deep yeah. Space Nine. You know, you less so. I like Deep Space Nine. He but likes that's it. about it. Hey, yeah. hey, hey Mikey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you know, even among the Trexperts, there's a bit of a bifurcation uh, among, uh, you know, what we love. Right. Or don't or don't. There's not much bifurcation among what we don't love, but right. there's a, a little bifurcation about what we do love. So uh, <laughs> but this is great, Darren. It's always a pleasure. And I'm, I'm so grateful not only uh, to you, but all our Trexperts Plus subscribers who are not only getting uh, access to this podcast, but the wonderful Deck 78, which is our new uh, podcast, which airs in um intervening weeks uh alternating weeks with uh the trexperts um which is available to our trexperts plus subscribers only trexperts plus is not only a way to show your appreciation for trexperts but to help us with uh defray the costs of um uh mixing and hosting and potential other trexperts goodness yeah. um trust me it's <laughs> it's not uh, paying anybody's salaries because uh there are none and nor, yeah. nor do we expect there to be any time in the future but it it does help us to avoid having to go into our own pockets and which will ensure the sort of long, longevity of the uh of the show Indeed. even if i'm not on it that's right yeah so <laughs> Uh, but you can go and find out more about the trexperts plus at trexpertsplus.com that's trexpertsplus.com yeah, all spelled out. No plus signs, just all spelled out. And take and, off uh, two kadam for the Hebrew God, whose art this right. is. Um, but uh, <laughs> and if you if you have uh, you want to join the conversation about today's episode or any episode of Trexperts, you can go to Twitter at Inglorious Trek or Instagram or Facebook at Inglorious Trexperts, where uh, you can share your thoughts about the latest episodes or anything else Trek related. Um, we hope to see you there. And uh, until next week. Well, in this case, if you're if you're not a Trexpert Plus subscriber, we'll see you in two weeks. If you are, we'll see you in a week on Deck 78. We'll get the drinks ready and chill, chill the glasses. So uh, <laughs> until <laughs> until then, until then. Uh, on behalf of uh, Darren Dockerman, uh, the vacationing Ashley Edward Miller, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking. And gloriously, of course.